Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. First and foremost, thanks to Sasha Banks for last week's show and all of you who've been reaching out all week long. I mean, I was I was getting comments up until right now from people that were finding the Sasha Banks podcast and all the new people that are listening. Thank you. Of course, by now, I would hope that you know that Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast is about a couple things. It's about talking to some of the great uh, superstars of the pro wrestling industry as well as you know, mainstream media personalities that have uh, an equal love for pro wrestling as I do. And it's about being a wrestling fan and not being ashamed of it. It's not being overly critical. It's not. Be, it's about enjoying wrestling. Uh, and that's what I'm here to do today. And I don't think there are many people who brought more enjoyment to pro wrestling than the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. Um, Dusty, we lost Dusty on Thursday of last week. By the way, hopefully you'll notice I'm working on some of the audio stuff that people have been complaining about. Um, we, we lost Dusty. I was doing my radio show, Sam Roberts Show, on Sirius XM this week. And just as we were coming to a close on Thursday's show, I read a tweet that my producer handed me from Triple H that, that said that Dusty had died. Uh, I think it caught me and a lot of people way off guard. I don't know, maybe if the people close to him saw it coming or, or had some kind of indication in the days leading up to it, but I think most of us didn't see it coming at all. He was 69, which really is not old. You know, he, he would easily have 10, 15, 20 years left on him, you would think, but I guess he took a fall and uh, and and suffered some complications from it. Dusty, uh, there's no denying, is one of, if not the best of all time, whether it's in the ring or on the mic, whatever, however you want to quantify being the best. Dusty was one of the very best. You could see that just in the in the fact that his death got as much mainstream media coverage as it did. It was on every news outlet you can think of. And that really normally doesn't happen for uh, wrestlers. You know, when a wrestler dies, especially if they don't die an obscenely young age, if it's not drug-related or, or an, a terrible accident, if it's just kind of a natural death, you really don't see a lot of coverage of it. You know, they, they always look for something juicy to report. Uh, but this one, you did get a lot of coverage because of all the lives that Dusty Rhodes impacted. You know, I on my radio show that on Friday, I played the Hard Times promo as a as a way to kind of familiarize my audience because a lot of people listen to my radio show may not be wrestling fans. I played the Hard Times promo to kind of familiarize my audience with what an important figure Dusty was. And, and just how good that is, because anybody who listens to that Hard Times promo, you don't have to be a wrestling fan to appreciate that. But as a wrestling fan, I really listen to it. And that's one of those, the Hard Times promo, look it up on YouTube if you've never seen it or if you haven't seen it in a while. Or if you've watched it every day, watch it again. And really, like, put yourself into it. Allow yourself to fall into that promo. Because as I was really sitting there and listening to it and allowing it to kind of 
get my emotions going and get my goosebumps up and, and kind of seeping in, I really started to think about all the wrestling that I've seen over the last 30 years. And I don't think there is a better wrestling promo than the Hard Times promo. I think Dusty's Hard Times promo may be the very best wrestling promo of all time. Especially the fact that it was it was in character. It was not a shoot. It was not one of these things where, oh, what's going on here? I know most of the time it's fake, but is this real? And, you know, it wasn't scandalous. It wasn't – it was a a kind of by-the-books wrestling promo, but it was believable. And he believed it and you believed it. And it was it was really kind of a rare, amazing thing, but it was so good. And uh, – uh, you got to check that out if you need an example of Dusty's work, but you shouldn't need an example of Dusty's work as much as he did. Anybody who listens to this podcast should kind of know what Dusty's done. I mean, Dusty is the guy who got polka dots over. You can ignore the 20 years he did before he got to WWF. The fact that he was the biggest babyface draw in wrestling prior to Hulk Hogan. It was all Dusty all the time. You know, you could say Bruno San Martino, but that was on the East Coast. Dusty was just dominating everywhere he went. His matches with Ric Flair and his feuds with the Horsemen. Uh, I mean, outstanding. His Kabuki promo, which we'll talk about in our interview segment. Everything that Dusty touched seemed to turn to gold. He came to WWE, WWF at the time, and they put him in polka dots almost as a rib Almost as if to say, okay, you know, Dusty, you've been the main guy in our competition. Now, all right, we'll hire you, but you gotta wear you gotta wear these polka dots, goddammit. Dusty put on the polka dots and he got him over, and he got Sapphire over, and he got everything over. He, not many people got as much over as Dusty Rhodes did. And then to step out of the ring and to be a guy who shapes the industry, whether it was in WCW as a booker, whether it was coming back to WWE, and up until just very recently, working in NXT with some of the young guys, that is the most telling thing, that you look at the reactions that WWE superstars have been having, and you saw it when people were lined up outside the, the uh, entranceway at, at elimination, at, I'm sorry, Money in the Bank, and you could see it was guys like Seth Rollins, and Dean Ambrose and 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 Rusev and 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 guys, young guys, that kind of have just found their way onto the main roster. Those were the guys who were just as, if not more, upset than the legends because Dusty was still working with young guys and shaping them into the superstars that they are. And 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 it was really an amazing thing. So you know, I, I won't talk about Dusty this entire podcast. I don't think I will try to get into some of what happened in Money in the Bank and uh, some of what happened on Raw this week and, and where everything's going. But I thought it was important that we spend a considerable amount of time with Dusty. So I wanted to talk to somebody about Dusty Rhodes for this week's interview segment. And, you know, I could have reached out to one of the legends, and, and I, I, I think that would have been great to hear whether it's JR or Ric Flair or any of those guys talking about Dusty. And they've talked about Dusty on a lot of radio shows and podcasts so you can you can find their comments rick flair was part of the amazing dusty Rhodes tribute show that they put on the wwe network this week so if you want those comments you can find it but i thought it was especially important at least to me and 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 to maybe hopefully the people who listen to this podcast to hear from one of the younger guys 
that worked with Dusty Rhodes. I, I think that that is one of the things that really makes Dusty amazing, that he, like I said, was still working with these young guys. There's a lot of legends that made an impact. There's very few that continue to make an impact. And up until Dusty passed away last week, he was still making an impact. He was still working at the Performance Center. I was down at the Performance Center a year ago, and I saw Dusty's office, and I saw pictures of Dusty on the wall. And you could, I mean, his presence was so felt in that building. You know, he was a huge part of it. So I reached out to my friend Corey Graves. Corey's been on the podcast before. He was in studio, um, and he talked about going to promo class with the American Dream, Dusty Rose. And and that was kind of sticking in my head, and, and, and I thought Corey would be a great person to talk to in the sense that he knew Dusty now, and he's one of the guys that, you know, Dusty really shouldn't have had, <laughs> shouldn't have had as big an impact on as he did. In terms of staying relevant, that's very, very difficult. So I reached out to Corey, and Corey Graves was good enough to uh, get on the phone with me this week uh, after Raw on Monday to talk about, uh, you know, where he's at and, and the impact that Dusty had on him. So for this week's uh, interview segment on the podcast, uh, I called up Corey Graves to talk about his memories of the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Let's welcome first person to hit the podcast twice already, Corey Graves. What's going on, man? I I feel honored to hold that distinction. Yeah, nobody's done this thing twice yet, just you. Well, see, I guess that means I'm pretty much the best podcast guest there's ever been. That that would have to be. You've kind of blown up too since the since the first time you you came on the podcast. That's right. You were you were kind of you were on the Corey Graves boat before the rest of the world knew about it. So I feel like I was. Yeah, you were. Are you LG getting of sorts? Are you getting recognized a lot more now? Because one of the things was like you were ju- that was just starting to happen uh, when you first came on because you were just starting to pop up on the network, and now it's like you're on every single show they do. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I, I actually get recognized a lot more than I ever expected. I always kind of give myself no credit and yeah. think like, oh yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a commentator. I'll just kind of hang out and. And uh, it turns out I stand out in the crowd still. <laughs> That's what happens when you tattoo your throat. Yeah, the, and then the fact effect. that you can you can pull off a patterned shirt with suspenders and a throat tattoo, I think it does separate hey, you from the pack. Got to be adventurous, you know. I think so. I think it reminds people. Well, listen, the reason that I I wanted to get you on this week and and talk to you right away is because one of the things that we touched on really only a little bit when you did the podcast was uh, you working with Dusty in NXT, uh, you know, when you were first kind of figuring yourself out and, you know, with everything that's happened, I thought you'd be a, a great person to kind of talk about the legacy of Dusty Rhodes. You know, you keep a lot of people, especially when a wrestler passes away, you end up talking to people from their era. And I think that's happened a lot. You know, Ric Flair's and Terry Funk's and Harley Races, but there are very few people... Uh, that had as major an influence as Dusty Rhodes had throughout, you know, since the 70s, really, through four or five generations of, of wrestlers all the way up to the Corey Graves of the world. You're absolutely right. I was talking to a lot of the guys at TV yesterday about that, just how many generations of not only the boys but fans that, that Dusty has directly or indirectly affected, more directly than about anybody. 
I mean, you look at the WWE roster right now, and everybody from you know from the top on down has either worked for Dusty or worked with Dusty in some capacity. And, and I mean, the next several generations, just the, I think all the guys and girls down at NXT that got to work with Dusty you know, at least once a week, if not more, and just in so many different aspects. I mean, that it's unfortunate, you know, we people pass away all the time, but to see the absolute outpouring of support that was within within the company this weekend. I mean, it was tough for everybody, and everyone was was grieving together, but everyone kind of was there. It was the the biggest support system I'd ever seen for at least in my life for anyone that ever passed away. I mean, because everybody was hurting, but yeah. everyone just loved Dusty so much in, in in whatever way it was. I mean, there were there were people in catering selling stories, and not and I'm not talking about the, the guys sitting in catering. I'm talking about the catering people that actually <laughs> worked at the shows telling stories about Dusty. I mean, this, this isn't something that, that we just all decided, hey, let's make up stories and talk about how much we like this guy to make things look good. This is an honest-to-God love. Like, it, I've never seen anything like it in my life, and, and, you know, I was just lucky to have known him. Well, I mean, it's probably even rarer than impacting that many people that when you're gone to have this many people just telling positive stories. I mean, even when he was alive, you could really rarely find a person who had a negative thing to say about Dusty. No, absolutely not. I mean, there's a joke that, you know, no one ever liked Dusty Rhodes because he was always on top. I mean, he, he used to tell that story when, he, when it came to the business, but then everyone that looks back at it, you know what I mean? It's, it's just a joke, and I don't know of anybody that's ever had you know, more more respect or just been loved across so many generations as Dusty has. And it's it's weird because, you know, he's been out of the public eye, so to speak, for, for you know, the last few years. But he's still, his his reach has probably never been stronger. I mean, you look at from like Seth Rollins, uh, Ambrose, Reigns, all, all the guys that, that are, you know, becoming the top guys, Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Dusty Rhodes had about as much to do with Bray Wyatt as anybody on the planet Earth, other than Bray himself. You know, it, you, you might not have seen Dusty on TV, but you saw Dusty on TV in these different different outlets. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, and I think that I don't think enough people really realize that when somebody is on top the way Dusty was years ago, it's one thing to capture an audience at one point, but I don't think there's anybody besides that guy. Who's been able to make? Because you know, you, you Bray and Seth and Dean; those are those are probably the most sort of relevant superstars in wrestling right now. And to kind of be in touch with what an audience finds relevant from 1970 whatever until 2015 is pretty much unprecedented. I think. I, I was actually talking to a friend of mine in Cleveland last night, and I I said we talked about this exact same subject that. Dusty, for being the, the oldest man in the Performance Center, was the most in-touch human being in the entire place. Dusty would be, I mean, he has his finger on the pulse of pop culture and movies and, and music. And, you know, he, granted, he was an old, old soul at times, and, and, you know, he liked to talk about his era. But he was so proud that he was able to stay relevant and hip and relate to everybody. You know, there, there was nobody, you, you, never, you knew Dusty was, he was an older guy. But you never looked at him like the old man. Right. You know what I mean? He was just, he was this. How did he do that? How did he manage to stay relevant? I, I think just, he just, he had, a, he had a zest for life, man. I mean, Dusty just enjoyed everything. He, like I said, music and movies. We would do promo classes. And at the end of every promo class, there would be an extra 10 or 15 minutes of Dusty just going, 
hey, has anybody seen any good movies? I just watched this. And, and, and that was the one thing about Dream that he looked at everything within our business as a movie. Uh-huh. It, he looked at it like he was directing a film. We'd be watch, we'd be doing promo class, mm-hmm. and he would be standing by the screen trying to send signals to the camera guy. In, in his mind, Dusty was a director all the time, and everything was a movie to him, and the world was a stage. And, and I mean, I, I don't, I'm not trying to downplay it at all, but unless you were actually there to appreciate it in person, I don't think anyone fully understands. The, the guy was a genius. I mean, we we all know what he accomplished, and as fans, we're obviously we're all fans. But to be able to to actually work one on one with him, and and anyone that's been able to sit under his learning tree at the performance center, or just to, you know all the all the people that have known him personally, the guy is a genius. I mean, I, I, I that's about as, as flat out as I can put it. I mean, as far as anybody that I've ever met. The closest thing to a genius of any sort, Dusty Rhodes was a creative genius. When did you start working with him? Um, obviously, when I got signed, I was I was in promo class. It was man, you know, once a week we'd all get together, and and Dusty's big thing was he didn't want wrestling promos. He, he, he said, "This isn't the '80s anymore. You can't cut a promo like Hulk Hogan did. You can't talk to it because it doesn't work anymore." And this just goes back to him being so aware and hip to, to what works and what doesn't and how people react to things and how he wanted to be, it to be a movie. Dusty was so into the subtleties of, of acting and, and he, Dusty, I remember he lobbied for so long to get Howard Fine, this world renowned acting coach to come to the performance. And that was Dusty's doing. I mean, Dusty, wow. he, he didn't look at this as a, as a, a wrestling business. This was an entertainment business to him. And, and granted he was there from, you know, the, the, Fort Hesterly Armory here in Tampa to, to where you know all over the world, but to what it is now, Dusty just appreciated it for what it is and the art form that it is. And so you know we got to sit with him once a week, every week. And then personally, as my career kind of changed paths when I, I got shut down and I couldn't wrestle anymore, mm-hmm. I was at that that point where I didn't know which way to go. Was I was I just gonna was I gonna leave the company? What could I do? What else? And Dusty was so far behind me and supportive of me and let helping me explore and let me try new things and he let me run promo class. Wow. To me was like a huge honor. You know, he gave me my own he put me with the beginners guys. Mm-hmm. He had that much trust in me that, you know, on Monday nights because he was the American dream and he had stuff to do all the time. <laughs> He said, Corey, I want you to take the kids. And, and you, you know, he trusted me with them, which to me was the highest honor. And then we'd sit the next morning and we'd either watch the promos or he'd ask me, you know, who, who do I need to watch? Who's going to be good? And the next, next thing you know, the joke was he'd always take my favorites. I would say, oh, man, this guy's doing really well. Or this girl just cut this amazing promo. And next thing you know, they were out of my class and they were in dream <laughs> class. And, uh, but no, it was like the biggest honor to me just, whether it was just to help me out or, or whatever, if maybe he, he really trusted in me, and I like to believe he did, but he, he went to bat for me, and he said, well, until you figure out what you're doing, because the commentary thing was not necessarily a certainty at that point, mm-hmm. and he, I, I, he saw my passion for the business and I, I, how much I love just sitting with him and learning, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I told a story at the, at the kickoff show before the, the pay-per-view uh, that we used to have these staff meetings, 
And we would literally sit there and Dream would light a candle and dim the lights and put on some country music. And we'd sit there and myself and then Byron Saxton and this guy Ryan Katz who does a lot of creative stuff for NXT. And we would sit there and just talk and bounce ideas back and forth. And, and it was it was the coolest thing. I look upon that more fondly than anything. And we'd sit around and, and Dream would order barbecue and feed us. And we'd all sit in this little office and, and just he'd tell stories and it, and it was the coolest thing in the world. I mean, growing up as a wrestling fan to be able to just sit there with Dusty and consider him a friend was just the most amazing thing in the world. Yeah. What were your expectations when you first got to the performance center, you first got signed, you first find out that you're going to be doing promo class with Dusty. Like, what are your expectations going in? What did, what did you heard about him? What did you think it was going to be like? Uh, I hadn't heard a whole lot about people working with Dusty. I mean, obviously, it was Dusty Rhodes, so there's that aura and there's that excitement to, to get to work with him. And he's obviously one of, if not the best talker that, that the game has ever seen. Um, but once you started working alongside him, and like I, I can't stress enough how, how in touch with things he was, to, you would think you have an idea, and he would just put a little spin on it, or he'd make a suggestion. Or, or sometimes I think he would make ideas just to make himself laugh, or just to entertain <laughs> himself. And they'd end up working, or they would end up bombing, or they'd turn into something else. And it was just—I I, think—I think you had to go in without expectations, because I think—I think Dusty enjoyed that. The more raw you were, the, the more you were just a lump of clay with something, you know, a spark that he would see. He would he he got so much out of just helping mold people and teaching people and I, I remember, and I learned so much about just not wrestling from Dusty. I remember one of, he used to sit when we'd have these movie discussions and he'd start talking about all these old movies and James Dean and, and uh, you know I knew who James Dean was but I'd never sat down and watched most of the movies and I would sit there with Dusty and he'd talk about James Dean or. or some, you know, uh, Merle Haggard or any of these old artists. And I would go out of my way to just check them out. And I realized, like, whoa, I get this whole James Dean thing. I understand why everyone thinks he's, like, this icon. But I, most of our generation just, like, sees him on posters and T-shirts and things like, oh, well, yeah, I know who that guy is. Right. But that was that was a dream, and that's what inspired him. And that's that's what he always drew from. And he'll, he'll admit all the time. He he borrowed or outright stole a lot of the stuff that he did, but he got it from places outside of our business. He was the first one to do it. He wasn't the one that, that – he never borrowed from somebody inside the business. He would steal something from a movie or he'd get an inspiration from a – you know, something he saw in, or a musical lyric he he had heard. Yeah, and I think that and, is, I think when you, that is a, a form of genius when you know, because you're not stealing stuff, when you know to, what elements to take, to kind of take this piece and this piece and this piece and then put them together and build this thing that now is its own kind of independent, iconic, you know, that's the American dream. Yeah, and he, he was, he took from everywhere, and I, just like I said, it taught me. It helped me in the business, but it taught me just. I was able to enjoy so much more new art and and film and music, and that was all from Dusty. It was bigger than wrestling with him. You know, I mean, it was genuinely. I mean, I, I, this this is. I don't hope this doesn't sound contrived. But Dusty Rhodes taught me personally as a, as a man and as an entertainer more than you know probably most people on earth. He, I, he was a true mentor to me. And, you know, I wish I had more time with him. That's my only regret. 
and I think I told the story when we did the podcast last time. Uh-huh. You know, it got to the point where I spent so much time with Dusty that you had to argue with him. <laughs> you know, about about whatever it was, and it was just passion. You know, he was passionate about one thing, and I I thought I knew what I was doing, or I, I I'd feel really strongly, and and would get into these not heated arguments, but you know, it it, it pissed me off, and I would just you know, I remember telling my dad one day, oh yeah, Dusty pissed me off, and my dad just said, remember. Listen to what you just said. You were in an argument with the American Dream. <laughs> Son of a plumber. And I, yeah, it, it was just like to step back and appreciate it, you know. And, and I think, unfortunately, for, for this all happening, I think in a way it's allowed everybody to kind of take a step back and really appreciate what we truly had. Because like anything in life, we took it for granted at times, especially NXT. Oh, we got promo class this week. Oh, man, uh, we're great. another day of promo class. But, I mean, just, it's, it's, he's not there anymore. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and for everybody to be able to just take a step back and look and see the outpouring of support worldwide, bigger than the wrestling business. I mean, Dusty is one of the, he was an, an American hero. You know, there, there's nobody, at least in America, that's lived through, you know, the seventies or, or after that hasn't at least heard of Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, do you think that he would have do you think that he would have known that this would be national news? I'm sorry? Do you think he would have known that this would be national news the way because I mean this news of, of his passing is everywhere. I mean every newspaper, every news channel, everybody's reporting on it, like they would, you know, the death of any sort of icon or athlete or, or, or whatever it is, like most of the time wrestlers do not get that kind of coverage. Do you think he would have known that he would get this kind of coverage and, and support and love and everything? You know, I I don't think he would have been surprised. I think he would have been proud. I mean, look, let's be honest, Dream loved the spotlight. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? As much as he contributed in a creative end of things, you know, wherever he's at right now, he's, he's smiling. He's happy because he... He would love to tell stories about, you know, I I would never do them any justice trying to recreate them. Right. I remember so many of them about just him being the American dream, just doing what he did and these outlandish things that he loved so much. And he loved making a scene and, and causing a ruckus and getting people wound up. So for, I, I don't know that if he would have, he would have expected it to be national news. But I'm sure he he's not disappointed. He would have rolled with it. <laughs> he's definitely rolling with it. He's the American dream. It, it was his life's work, man, to be remembered and, and to, to see that it is and he will be forever. I mean, that, it's got to be a, an incredible feeling. Yeah, it seemed like he was always kind of in promo mode in the sense like everybody's sort of little dusty stories that they have. I can't remember who it was. It might have been one of the referees or someone down there was saying that they were at the performance center and they were complaining that it was dirty. And they said something to the effect of, it's way too dusty in here. And Dusty Rhodes was behind him saying, you can never say that, Daddy. <laughs> and just kept walking. He was always on. You're <laughs> dream, dream was always on. And there, was, there were times where you would wonder where on earth he was going with something. Mm-hmm. But he was the kind of guy that could talk around you. And he might not even know where he was going with it, but by the end of it, you were just captivated, and you you knew you thought you were convinced that he knew where he was going the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that's actually. I was thinking was about amazing. that when you were talking about uh, promo class and how he would start these things, and you wouldn't a hundred percent know where he was going. I think that's also the mark of a genius when 
You don't know where he's going. You don't quite know that he knows where he's going, but you trust that at the end of what, when he's done talking, he will have gotten somewhere, and that place will be a place of 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 genius. That was it. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it, man. I mean, that was that was Dusty in a nutshell when, when it came to that. He, you can you can just listen to him talk. There were, I mean, there were times where. I would bet money that what he was telling was a complete lie, <laughs> but it was so captivating and exciting and just fun. I mean, he would, no one could tell a story like Dusty Rose, man. He could tell you what he would eat for breakfast and you would just be on the edge of your seat going, man, that sounds like the best thing that's ever happened. And you could just, and that's, I mean, you can't teach that as much as, as much as Dusty tried and, and did and helped everybody and, and taught so much to everybody. You could never learn to be Dusty Rhodes. You know what I mean? You could study him and spend time with him and try, try to pick up nuances and things he did, but Dusty was one of a kind, man. Were you having a good time with him from the beginning of getting to know him, or at first was he an intimidating sort of person? Yeah. Dusty took a while to warm up to me. Um, there was never any sort of standoffishness or anything. It was just, you know, in our business, Guys come and go every day. Right. So Dusty didn't necessarily feel it was his job to warm up to everybody. But if you kind of at least showed an interest in learning or, or he saw something in you, it didn't matter. You could, it could have been your first day. And if you captivated him in any way or you caught his eye with something, he jumped right on it. It took me uh, you know, a few months or so before I, we really got on. Um. But I remember he came to me with an idea in promo class. He wanted me to do a promo uh, with this diva that we had at the time in, in FCW. And I remember thinking it was the dumbest idea I'd ever heard in my life. And I went, there's no way. I, I this, this is not going to work. But I, I also went, this is Dusty Rose telling me to do this, so I have to try it. Uh-huh. And in a weird way, the way, it worked itself out that – I did the promos with the girl, and things ended up not working out. Um, well, what was the idea for the promo? Out. They were, it was really nothing. It was kind of like a, if I had to describe it to the best of my my remembrance right now, it would be kind of like a PG, B-rate, Edge and Lita kind of gotcha. rock and roll couple looking kind of thing. Um, but it didn't work out. We did the promos for a few weeks, and it, there was just, there was no chemistry or anything, but it allowed me to kind of come out of my shell and find myself as a, as a character and kind of become more relaxed in front of the camera. And if you asked Dusty, that was the whole point. He knew it the whole time. That's why I had you do it. That's why I put you with her. I knew it wasn't going to work, but I wanted you, I knew you were a star and whether or not he did, whether or not he believed that, We'll never know. But right, and you that can't. Was, that was dusty, man. Because there's no concrete so, evidence otherwise. Like you can't prove that he didn't do that. So you just got to believe. Exactly. Okay, like he's good at figuring out what what was the positive effect that came out of this. Well, that's what I meant to do. <laughs> exactly. There were no accidents when it came to the American. No, dream, no. Yeah, so. Oh, it's, it's, everything I, was by design, man. And he's like. I think he's the only person because, you know, like after this happened, you start, I think like everybody, you go back, you start watching all his promos, you start watching matches, you start to really realize, okay, you know, you kind of say he's one of the best guys on the mic, he's one of the best promos, but then you start to really watch and go, no, I think Hard Times might be the best wrestling promo of all time, and I think this may be the best ever and blah, 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 but you can, 
you can hear this sort of, and it sounds like it translated into his personality, this way that he completely talks himself up like he's got more ego than anybody but manages to maintain this likable humility that you just can't put your finger on at all. And I mean, that was him. That was him as a human being. He was always just fun to be around and the way he carried himself. He was the coolest guy in the building. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he walked with a strut. I mean, I saw him last week and he, you know, he, he's a little older, a little slower, but he still carries himself. He just had this cool strut the way he'd just roll through the performance and he owned every room he ever walked into. And it was just that all these intangibles, he just had them. I mean, for all intents and purposes, and he was so aware to look at Dusty Rhodes, you were going, there's no way this guy is this mega star. Just visually. Right, of course. His tiny's a little big, his belly's a little big. Yeah, he, he, he wasn't in the best shape, and he, he wasn't the best-looking guy, but, man, that nothing would have stopped him because he just had everything you need to be a star. And, and that was just all these intangibles. He was just this just this giant... I, I don't even know the words. Yeah. Like, like just this collision of all these intangibles just worked, man. It was just magic. What's and, and it, it, on, on camera and off? What's the vibe been like there? Because you know, obviously, you got all these memories, but at the same time, you could look at the at the at the pay per view. You could see clearly how much he meant to everybody based on everybody's faces. You know, Renee broke down on the pre show. You could, you know, you almost broke down. I think on Raw uh, last night. Uh, what what's been sort of the vibe is it kind of sullen around the buildings or is it people laughing and telling stories or is it kind of a mixture yeah it's it's both you know it's sad we we, we all i mean we this is again i can't i can't stress enough this isn't some thing that that you know the company didn't say hey make sure you talk nice about that it would never be necessary right no one is saying a bad word because we all legitimately love him as a man as a teacher and as a friend and it's sad, you know, like anything in life. When you lose a friend or, or a relative, it, it, everyone's heartbroken. But at the same point, it's been awesome to have such a big support system that everybody feels the same way from the top down. I remember last night at, at Raw, uh, we were there was a pre-tape happening with uh, with Ambrose, and I was standing in the back there. And Ambrose and I used to sit there when we used to ride together. One of the things, you know, at, at two or three in the morning, we're driving back from Palaka, Florida. Ambrose would just bust out into he did an amazing Dusty impression. And it was just all these little nuances and, and just Dusty had these little lines and so many little things about him that just made us laugh. And Ambrose and I just told stories and we're laughing and the whole time I'm I'm getting choked up and I'm tearing up and, and he Ambrose is just smiling and it's it, it's such a fond there's so many good fond, strong memories that that the overall vibe has been incredible. I wish Anytime I had to deal with anyone passing, I had this sort of support system. You know what I mean? It's it's in a way, as hard as it is for everybody, it's so nice to just have everyone just share the same feelings. And on the kickoff panel the other night when Renee broke down, yeah, the, you know, our producers came in our ears and said, hey, it's okay. Like, this is real. We all love Dusty. There, there was no, you know what I mean? It, wasn't, right. it was TV. You want to try to be professional, but that was real. In a business based on emotion, and that's what Dream always cared more about than anything. Dusty Rose never did a moonsault, never did anything fancy. He dropped elbows, and he created emotion. Yeah. 
And, and the, what you've seen on TV over the last few days have been the most emotional things that I've been a part of, especially recently. And it's, it's good emotion, though. You know, they did the special on the network with Celebrate, uh, Celebrate the Dream and, and the, the video packages they put together that melted us all down at the same time. And no one, you know, everyone understood. Everyone supported each other. And so all in all, the vibe has been incredible. It's it's sad. I mean, there's no way not to be. Anytime anybody loses someone that they they truly love, it's going to be a bummer. But I mean, all told, it's it's just it's better that we've all known Dusty Rhodes and we smile because we knew him than we because we didn't have him anymore. Did Dusty like do? Did Dusty like other people doing the Dusty voice? <laughs> I I don't think he did. But I, <laughs> the only person I ever saw do it in front of him was Ambrose, and Ambrose was so good. That dream, I don't think dream mind is too bad because he did it just in, and Ambrose refused to do it in a mocking way. Ambrose would do it the, the Kabuki promo. Uh-huh. So like, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. if you notice, he called Seth Rollins an errand boy on, on, the, on uh, Money in the Bank, which is directly that was his little shout out to Dusty. Oh, that's and, great! Uh, like I said, we'd be driving down the road, Rollins and Ambrose and I, and and word for word. Ambrose would just start spitting out the Kabuki promo, <laughs> and man, we just had the best time. We just laughed, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting all, I'm getting a little choked up here just thinking about it, man. It was just so many good times, but yeah, man, the, the whole vibe is so good. And I don't, I, and last night Ambrose was doing it, and it was just, it, it was in tribute, you know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't a mocking. It was just when you're that unique, yeah. I mean, it's going to happen. Yeah, totally. So. Well, listen, man, I'll let you get back to what you're doing. Uh, uh, of course, you can follow Corey Graves on Twitter at WWE Corey Graves, and he's on the, or WWE, at WWE Graves. WWE Graves, I think. Yeah. At WWE Corey Graves is a not me account, but oh. uh, at WWE Graves. Yeah, WWE Graves. And I've been he's on, on your the... podcast twice, Sam, and you don't even follow me on the right Twitter. No, I'm just yeah, I follow the fake Corey Graves. He's more entertaining. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> uh, and you know, know. the hey, it's, pre-show and 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 all that on the WWE Network. Yeah, man, culture shock, all that fun yes. stuff. But hey, man, I, this isn't about me, man. I just want to. I I, I, this, I feel really honored that you you reached out to me to to talk about Dream. I mean, this is uh, any platform. I'm sure anyone would be happy to do it because we all have so many fond memories, and we love Dusty, and we miss him. And it's like I said, it's. Just smile because you got to know and experience the American dream. And that's all we can do, you know. It's awesome, There'll never man. be another one like I appreciate you taking the time, dude. All right, Sam. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, I'll talk to you later. Here is Sam Roberts. Huge thanks. Huge. Huge thanks to Corey Graves for taking time out of a kind of a hectic work week and a, a, a busy schedule and as much as he's dealing with to take time out to uh, talk to me for a few minutes about Dusty Rhodes and the impact that Dusty had on him and on wrestling and just his his real opinions on the American Dream is a huge, huge thing for him to do. He didn't have to do it. So I'm happy to have, to have Corey Graves be the first person to do a Sam Roberts show or, or Sam Roberts wrestling podcast double take. Nobody has done this podcast twice. Corey Graves now has also... I don't do a lot of phoners. Don't do a lot of phone interviews. Seth Rollins did one. Roman Reigns did one. I think JR did one. Corey Graves gets added to that list. And rightfully so. Corey Graves, uh, who's just been doing an amazing job. I think the show he does on the network, Culture Shock, is great. 
He's been doing a really good job at the pre-shows. I mean, there's no denying that he brings something completely different to the product. And, and I think just his look and the way the way he does what he does brings up the relevance of WWE quite a bit. Um, not only is it just his look, but you know, obviously the, having the tattoos matching the suit is something that we haven't seen before. And something that we wouldn't, quite frankly, expect to see from WWE. You know, they kind of have the WWE way of doing things, but they took a chance. And I think it's paid off huge. I also think that the way he does what he does on commentary, uh, kind of being a heel, but not being that classic old school heel. Like, he's not, he doesn't feel like Corey Graves. There's so many people who, when they sit down to do commentary for a wrestling show, it feels like. They're imitating what they watched when they were a kid. It feels like they're trying to be a commentator or a, or a, a bad guy announcer or whatever you want to call it. It feels like they're trying to do, they're they're trying to be Bobby Heenan. Almost always, it feels like they're trying to be Bobby Heenan. Corey Graves kind of finds that balance, and he's not you know a full heel. He's a commentator, so he's not stealing the spotlight, but he always displays just the right amount of personality, and you know. That you're listening to Corey Graves. After you listen for a few weeks, you know, you watch a few episodes of NXT, whatever it is, you know you're getting the real Corey Graves. And I think it's uh, I think it's very, very cool. I think he's doing a great, great job um, behind the desk and uh, doing commentary for NXT. Now, let's move on to uh, what's going on in the state of wrestling. So much going on right now, of course. I know that there was a contest that we did last week here on the podcast uh, Katie Linendahl is not on the podcast this week. She controls all the contests. I don't know. There's, I, I can't. There, there, when it comes to details and 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 paper and notes and and keeping track of things, that's not my strong suit. I get on here. That's why I don't have co-hosts that often. Because with this, I can just plug my mic into my computer and do it. Uh, so we're gonna get. We're gonna announce the winners of the Tatanka birthday contest once Katie is back on the podcast. However. The amount of tweets that you guys were sending to Tonka over the week is hilarious. I guess we'll keep it running until Katie gets back. Why not? Keep doing it this week, too. He's going to be like, my birthday was two weeks ago. Uh, So listen to last week's podcast to get all the specifics on the Tatanka birthday contest. But the amount of tweets that Tatanka has been getting with yours truly and Katie Linendahl attached to him have just been phenomenal. I, I would have to imagine that he has no clue what's going on, but who knows? Maybe he just likes the attention. Remember, you can get yourself a t-shirt, a Sam Roberts show, or Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast t-shirt. I keep saying Sam Roberts show. That's the SiriusXM show. Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast t-shirts are up at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts. You can get a Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast shirt, a Not Sam shirt, a What's the Hap shirt. You can get the new Not Sam Mode t-shirt. That's one of my favorites. It says Not Sam Mode. It's like Bree Mode. You know, every time you see me at a live event... You'll catch me rocking that Bree Mode t-shirt. Look at WWE.com. Go through the photos, the fan photos and the celebrity photos from WrestleMania this year. You'll see yours truly rocking that Bree Mode t-shirt. And you'll see Katie Lindahl with me, my wrestling pal. Um, But you can have a Not Sam Mode t-shirt to make a statement and to, you know, kind of give a wink to all that. You can get them all at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts. In the meantime, let's get into this week's State of Wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Now, for sure, for sure, I'm going to talk about Brock Lesnar because uh, 
there is no state of wrestling this week. I'm not talking if I don't talk about Brock Lesnar, then I'm certainly talking about something besides the state of wrestling this week. Uh, that said, I want to talk about Kevin Owens before I t- there's a few people I want to talk about actually. Um, I thought the Money in the Bank pay per view averaged out to a good show. I think the fr- it, w- it was it was half not great and half excellent. Everything before the Kevin Owens-John Cena match was not great. I mean, I enjoyed the Roman Reigns-Bray Wyatt spot. I liked that Bray Wyatt was a surprise and a spoiler in that match, in the in the Money in the Bank ladder match. But, it, I, I mean, I'm kind of with the internet at the idea of, of Sheamus winning that match not being a great thing. I don't think there's anything compelling about Sheamus having that Money in the Bank briefcase, and I hope that they do what they did with Edge and Mr. Kennedy when they took that briefcase off Mr. Kennedy. Now, I liked Mr. Kennedy at the time, so I don't agree with it then, but I do hope that somebody like Dean Ambrose or somebody like that gets their hands on that briefcase because I would hope that there is no plan anytime soon to put the world heavyweight title on Sheamus. And, and, you know, with that said, it's almost like, who cares if he has the briefcase? I don't think, maybe I'm in the minority. I don't know. Sheamus is not exciting to me as a performer. I'm not, I don't get excited when I see Sheamus, but that's, that's me. Um, I, for a moment, I really did think uh, Adrian Neville was going to win that match, which was like, what? Where are they going with this? I did not see this coming. Uh, and then they went with Sheamus, and I went, oh, I mean, I didn't see this coming, but that was more because I hoped it wouldn't come. Uh, so for that to kind of have a schmozzy finish, then to go into the uh, Divas match and have a schmozzy finish, and then there was one other match there. There were three matches in a row. That kind of, oh, in the Intercontinental title match that all kind of had these sort of non-finish up-in-the-air endings. Uh, it was really kind of lame. Uh, the John Cena-Kevin Owens match was incredible. I've said before that I think John Cena's best opponent is CM Punk and vice versa. I don't think any I don't think CM Punk, Daniel Bryan included, I don't think CM Punk had better matches with anybody in WWE than he did with John Cena. I don't even think the Money in the Bank, what was it, 2011? I don't even think that was the best John Cena CM Punk match. I think the best John Cena CM Punk match happened uh right after uh I think it was after, I don't know, it, was, it must have been after the Royal Rumble or something one year. It was it was the match that determined the number one contender at WrestleMania. And it was on a Monday Night Raw. And it was just incredible. You kind of knew John Cena was going to win. Uh, but it was still an incredible match because you forgot that. Uh, I now am not sure that CM Punk is John Cena's best opponent anymore. I don't remember a time I've been as entertained by a series of matches as I have been between Kevin Owens and John Cena. Now, this is a match that is a long time in the making. This is almost more important. This is more important than the CM Punk-John Cena series of matches because this series of matches is coming off of years of John Cena being the guy in WWE and Kevin Owens at the same time being the guy on the independent scene, and and you know the uh, Kevin Owens mocking John Cena is not something that's happened since Kevin Owens has been on NXT. Kevin Owens mocking John Cena is something that started back in the pro wrestling gorilla and Ring of Honor days. 
when Kevin Owens was wearing shirts that said kill Steen kill and they were in John Cena colors. You know, there was always kind of a rivalry between these two even when there was nothing between these two. So to see this match get played out the way it has been played out has been amazing. Uh, I think most people went into the John Cena-Kevin Owens match at Money in the Bank thinking, you know, I can't take John Cena winning. Kevin Owens has to win. But the match was so good. I can't complain about what's happened to Kevin Owens. I mean, the match was so good that it's okay that John Cena won. Uh, And I'm really looking forward to that rubber match. I'm hoping that somehow there is not a third match at Battleground and that match is saved for SummerSlam, that United States title match. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully Kevin Owens walks out of SummerSlam United States champion. Will it or won't it happen? I don't know. I don't know for sure, but that's what I—that's certainly what I hope happens, and that's what I think would be really, really cool. Uh, but regardless, the Money in the Bank match, that uh, pay-per-view match that John Cena won was just outstanding. It was an outstanding match. It was better than their first match. The rematch, the sequel was better than the original, ladies and gentlemen. This was the godfather of wrestling matches. Hopefully, we don't maintain the godfather rule or the Back to the Future rule. Hopefully... The third in the trilogy is not a complete waste of time. You never know, but there will definitely be a third in the trilogy, and I'm excited about that. I just wonder if uh, Kevin Owens is going to be able to maintain any sense of being a heel by the end of this thing. I mean, all of the heel stuff that they have him doing is so favorited by such a large portion of the crowd. I mean, to powerbomb a raw celebrity guest off the stage. Major respect to Machine Gun Kelly for taking a huge powerbomb off the stage and into whatever, you know, the box thing that he broke through. But huge respect to Machine Gun Kelly for taking a powerbomb off the stage. You know, I wish he would have stayed still after he got powerbomb, not kind of moved around. I wish he had just been knocked out cold. But, I mean, I was I was blown away by the fact that that happened. It's so rare that celebrities want to get involved on that level, especially that they want to take a bump. Um, So, you know, Machine Gun Kelly is the man for that, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, But I do think that Kevin Owens is going to end up a babyface before too long because he's kind of the great white hope for everybody that's gotten tired of John Cena, for everybody that's tired of Raw Guest Host, for everybody that's wanting WWE to be about action. Kevin Owens is their guy. So uh, it's interesting to see how that's playing out. Speaking of, of heels and baby faces, it brings me to, to Brock Lesnar and the authority. And you have to wonder, you know, what type of role. I think this is kind of what uh, one of the things that uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and I were talking about is that the authority is in this place that's not quite what Vince McMahon and the corporation wore. Uh, there was no doubt in anybody's mind when Vince McMahon walked out that he was as heel as heel could get. And as good as he was at being a heel, he would always give you a reason to boo him. Always. There was no way he was walking out of there with cheers. He was as he he was the best heel in the business. Triple H is not filling the same role. Um, that may be by design. It's just an observation. Triple H is uh, definitely way more flirtatious with sort of tweener status is what they say tweener 
in between a baby face and a heel. It's like, yeah, yeah, he is a heel in the sense that he won't give Dean Ambrose another shot at the title, but the fact that he'll bring back Brock Lesnar and kind of stick it to Seth Rollins a little bit, who's Seth Rollins, there's no doubt about it. What side of the fence he's on? That is a bad guy. He's a weasel. He's an evil person. He's a bad guy, and he's great at it. Um, So it's an interesting position that the authority is in. Uh, I think Stephanie comes across as much more of a traditional heel, and I think that's where she kind of gravitates to, and I think that's a beautiful thing. Uh, But yeah, definitely... uh, Triple H floats a little bit, and I, I, you know, I don't know if I'm not to say it's a good or a bad thing, but just to say it is what it is, and uh, it's not quite the role that Vince McMahon was in. As many comparisons as get made to that, uh, but Brock Lesnar being back is a great thing. Anytime Brock Lesnar is on that show, it's a good thing. It, it, instant eyes, instant people talking. It's it's there are very few things. You come into work on Monday on Tuesday, and. There was a time when wrestling was all you talked about. That doesn't really happen so often. Although, when you have something like Kevin Owens powerbombing Machine Gun Kelly off the stage, that's going to make people talk. And when you have Brock Lesnar on the show, it's always going to make people talk at work on Tuesday, at school on Tuesday, wherever you are. And it's a very, very valuable thing, and it's something that WWE absolutely needs. I do worry a little bit. Here's what I worry about. Maybe it's unfounded. I feel like, and I talked about this at the end of Elimination Chamber, that when Dean Ambrose had his hand raised at Elimination Chamber and announced as the new champion before the referee's decision was reversed, it was the first moment where I took Dean Ambrose seriously as a potential world heavyweight champion. And I was like, you know what? The crowd's into this. I kind of get this. I kind of get that feeling. I don't mind this. I kind of like this. And, you know, it's taken away from him, and that's fine because Seth Rollins, you know, he does need a nice, lengthy, bad guy title reign. But I felt that at Money in the Bank, as much as I thought Seth Rollins was going to retain the title, there was still a part of me that started to feel like, oh, I'd really like to see Dean Ambrose win the title. I really think it could be interesting. He is the babyface anti-hero, and Seth Rollins is the quintessential heel. So it just this works. The match works. The roles that the guys are filling really, really works. Uh, and crazier things have happened than Dean Ambrose being champion of the world. I, I, I'm kind of into that idea. With Brock Lesnar coming back, and, and I'm not saying that's gone, because, you know, Dean Ambrose was in the locker room throwing darts at Seth Rollins' photo in, uh, on Raw. Uh, but with Brock Lesnar in the title picture, where does that leave Dean Ambrose? Do we go back to forgetting that Dean Ambrose is a possibility for the World Heavyweight Championship? Because yeah, Brock Lesnar is theoretically unbeatable. So as a fan, you have to assume Brock Lesnar is going to beat Seth Rollins. And what, is Dean Ambrose going to then beat Brock Lesnar? I don't think so. Plus, Brock Lesnar Lesnar is, Lesnar is, is, is a baby now. Brock Lesnar is a good guy. So I don't exactly know where that leaves Dean Ambrose. And I feel like, ah, ah, it's another one of these things where, yes, it's good to have Brock Lesnar back, but we're starting to flirt with, getting that sort of temporary high 
of bringing back one of the legendary guys. I'm not one of the legends, but bringing back one of the guys that's been around for a while. Bringing back one of the, excuse me, bringing back one of the established talents, we'll say. You start flirting with the idea of bringing back an established talent to get a temporary boost at the expense, quite possibly, of bringing one of your younger guys to the next level, which I think is just so, 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 so important right now. And they've done it with Seth. Seth Rollins has been brought to the next level. But, you know, we need to get to the point where Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose is a realistic main event where you don't need a Money in the Bank match and John Cena versus Kevin Owens on the undercard in order to sell that main event, that that main event itself will sell a pay-per-view. I don't think you're there yet, and I don't know if you'll get there as long as people like Brock Lesnar are in the photo uh, or in the picture, as it were. Um, That said, I'm excited to see Brock Lesnar wrestle. I want to see what happens between Seth and Brock. I think it's something that we've been waiting for since WrestleMania, and it was a matter of time, and the timing's now. Um... But I worry about where that leaves Dean Ambrose and, you know, speaking of what I was talking about with Stone Cold and where that leaves people, I just can't help but worry. And maybe I'm worrying too much this week. I can't help but worry that we're not seeing what we could be seeing out of Bray Wyatt. I stand by the fact that in terms of talent, ability, and potential – Bray Wyatt is the best on the roster. He's my favorite wrestler, okay? I'm 31 years old. My favorite wrestler is Bray Wyatt, period. That said, uh, the act's a little stale. I want to feel like when Bray Wyatt, and we get a glimpse of it, when Bray Wyatt took out a photo of Roman Reigns' children on Raw, or his child, you know, I was like, yes, yes, this is what I'm talking about. This, this is what I want. But I still get the feeling of, you know, let's, let's, let's look at the history. Okay, so his last thing was with The Undertaker. He said he was the new face of fear. He lost and never really acknowledged it. So he wasn't the new face of fear. Then he went after Ryback. And he said he was going to ruin Ryback's life. Well, he beat Ryback, but he didn't ruin Ryback's life. Now Ryback is the Intercontinental Champion, even after a loss from Bray Wyatt. So... Win or lose, there is no feeling of mine that he's going to destroy Roman Reigns like he says he wants to. Um, I I really, strongly believe that Bray Wyatt is a character that has the potential to last for a very, very long time. Like, that's one of those, it won't get old if you do it right, and and, and it could be something, it, it is, it has shades of The Undertaker. But, you know, even when The Undertaker was new, He was just destroying people everywhere he went. I need to get the feeling from Bray Wyatt that he will ruin a life, that he will destroy the people that he goes in there with. And maybe that means scaling him down a little bit. Maybe that means having him, you know, destroy whoever it is, the New Day or Fandango or or start, start lower than going after some of the big dogs right away. Because I understand having to protect Roman Reigns, but then maybe Bray Wyatt's not the guy you put him with. Because the, uh, can you imagine? It would be crushing to see Bray Wyatt lose to Roman Reigns. He's lost to everybody. How can we take somebody seriously as the new face of fear if they keep losing to people or they beat people and it has no effect on their careers whatsoever? Um, 
maybe Bray needs to get back with the the Wyatt family. You know, maybe maybe the family needs to come home. And that way Bray can feel like a much more intimidating presence. How are we going to get through all three of these guys? You know, the guy in the apron, he'll come out, he'll surprise you, but he's beatable. I've seen him beat. How are you going to beat the whole family? I don't know. Hopefully it gets figured out. I'm I'm very optimistic that it will. I think that, like I said, the second half of Money in the Bank was an excellent show. And the whole show overall, I would give an average rate of good. It was a good show. I think Raw was really good this week. A lot of stuff happening. Uh, I think the, the the product in general is headed in a very, very good direction. Everything since WrestleMania has, I think, been really good. Let's hope it maintains. The Kevin Owens-John Cena stuff is, is some of the best stuff on TV. And Dean Ambrose has been doing some of my favorite stuff. And Seth Rollins is, is amazing. So I appreciate you listening to the podcast this week. Remember, if you want a shirt, I would appreciate you getting one. Go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts. Get yourself a... Uh, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, Not Sam, Not Sam Mode, What's the Haps t-shirt. Get them all. You're going to look like a million bucks, and I'll give you a big high five the next time I see you. Until then, you can hear me next week right here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Don't forget, go to iTunes. Give me some uh, stars and reviews and whatnot, okay? All right, goodbye. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.